We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And now we get to talk about another commitment for Oregon on the recruiting trail in the transfer portal. Former Colorado cornerback Nico Reed has committed to Oregon. Ducks are doing some double dipping on a Monday. And um, this was a really exciting addition for uh, Demetrius Martin and the rest of the Oregon secondary, which has really been retooled in, in a big way, Colin. Uh, this this offseason, you know, you lose Christian Gonzalez to the NFL. He was your lockdown corner and definitely someone that you kind of were able to turn to when you really needed a big play or needed to kind of lock down uh, an opposing wide receiver one. But Nico Reed, another former Colorado guy that was coached up under Demetrius Martin. Um, I, I really like this addition for Oregon because it shows that they're not settling uh, in terms of just retooling this defense and trying to get to the next level. Yeah, and we've mentioned it already uh, with the Strother commitment. Iron sharpens iron. You cannot have enough talent um, in a certain room, and defensive back is no difference. Uh, is no different at all. Uh, this is a guy who started 12 games last season. Uh, he had 42 tackles, two and a half tackles for loss. He had a sack, two interceptions, and nine pass deflections. Um, he has, I believe, two years left of eligibility as well. Um, and this is just a big commitment for Oregon because this is a smaller guy. This is, I believe he's 5'10". Um, so he'll project probably in the slot, I would assume, slot slash star. And um, it, this is just big because at very, very least, this is depth, very least. Um, and I can assume, I, I would, yeah, I would assume that he would be probably a top maybe five, maybe four even corner on this team the second he steps on campus. Um and that connection to Demetrius Martin is big. You saw what he did with Gonzalez. I'm not at all comparing the two. They're not at all uh, the same body type whatsoever. Um, but you just took a number one corner from a team. Uh, yes, last year was bad. That doesn't mean everybody on the team is bad. And also that he was a starting corner in a Power 5 conference like the Pac-12. This is a huge ad. Yeah, and, and that's worth mentioning, you know, the competition that he was going against, even though Colorado didn't have a, a great season by any means. This isn't some, you know, group of five transfer that you're kind of taking a flyer on and and hopefully he works out, you know, hopefully he can match the level of competition, the level of play from the rest of our guys. But this is someone that you can have some confidence in because he's played some good football, um, you know, good ball skills, and he, he's around the around the ball, around the play a lot. 
um, like you were mentioning with, with some of those stats there. Didn't start as a true freshman, but he played in every game as a true freshman, which I think is awesome and just goes to, to the point that we were making about bringing in more experience and, and more production, uh, three interceptions during his two years in, in Boulder. And also, I think, uh, a guy that adds some some more value just as a playmaker. Uh, he did return a, a kickoff for a touchdown against Utah in 2021. That was 100 big ones. And I think that you see those skills also show themselves when you're able to you know get an interception because you try to get some good return yards and, and set up the offense uh, with, with good field position. And I think that this is just another example, Colin, of how valuable it is in today's era of the transfer portal to, you know, maintain those connections, maintain those relationships. We saw it with perhaps Oregon's top transfer portal edition this off season with, with Jordan Birch, uh, since Dan Lanning recruited him when he was at Georgia. Um, and, and those things, you know, they, they keep popping up. And, um, I, I think one reason that maybe, I mean, I think even more so than with Strouther, I feel like this is even more of a luxury to kind of go back to that talking point a little bit at corner. Cause I think you're feeling good about the corner depth with, with Kyrie Jackson coming over from Alabama, kind of giving you a little bit more of that gonzo body type. I think he's in the, in the neighborhood of six, two, six, three. Um, and you know, he's trying to kind of develop into that lockdown guy uh, that gonzo was, but you know, didn't necessarily say he was feeling the pressure to do that. He wanted to do it with his own swagger. I think was the quote during spring. And then you have Triquez Bridges, who's played a lot of ball, Dante Manny, who's kind of en- entering a put up or shut up year as he put it this spring. And then Cole Martin balled out in the spring game and you signed four other corners in the 2023 class. So you, you have a lot of options there. Um, I think probably at least one guy from the 2023 class is going to see a decent amount of playing time. Maybe how Reed did in his freshman year or at a Colorado, but now you're just injecting even more competition into that corner room. And I think you're raising the floor and the ceiling with this, with this Nico Reed edition. And I mean, with, with the Demetrius Martin connection, this is a guy that he knows inside and out, and he's going to be on the fast track for development once he gets to Oregon. Yeah, and uh, the corner room is one that's going to be one that we watch very, very closely uh, towards the start of the season, um, and really in the first game, especially because uh, how much the freshmen play. You have a few guys that haven't even been on campus yet, the freshman key, uh, freshman corners, I mean. Um and that's Dalen Austin. You also have Roderick Pleasant, who, uh, just a side note, ran a 10.09 100 meter in the state finals uh, for California, which is insanely fast, second in the country. Um, this is a really, really good, really, really good group, um, adding more depth at very least. Um, and it's just like, one that you watch, you want to see this defensive back room improve because you really haven't had a great secondary for a few seasons now. Um, you've always had talent in, in the secondary, but you haven't always had a great group in terms of um, actually being able to shut down the pass. And I'm not saying that this group uh, will be completely able to shut down the pass by any means. Um, that is yet to be seen. But we'll definitely have to watch uh, the development. Also, there's me summer... Um, there's going to be a few summer practices, obviously, when the guys show up. Um, and we'll, I, we'll, I think we'll get a better feel for who is going to be uh, towards the top in terms of freshmen and also the uh, older guys, upperclassmen, like in some of these practices, we'll, I think we'll find out. Yeah, yeah, we definitely will. And, and I think it'll be interesting to see who can maybe 
get off to a faster start um, when it comes to a couple of those 2023 corners that you talked about calling, you know, Dalen Austin out of Long Beach Poly. He's, you know, you're your more of your, your typical landing corner, uh, tall, lengthy, fast guy. And then you have Roderick Pleasant, who's a little bit more Cole Martin-esque, right? You know, a shorter guy, smaller frame, really explosive, really twitchy, uh, short area burst and can run with the best of them, of course. You know, he's going for that 999 100-meter uh, time, and I got to see him at Sarah last week, and, and he's, he's definitely looking real fast, that's for sure. Um, so that's a pair of All-American corners that aren't even on campus yet for, for Oregon, which is which is awesome um, to, to, to be in when you're just looking at where you want to take this group in 2023 and some of the wideouts that you're going to have to go against, you know, at your USC's at, at Washington um, for sure. So I think that I like the, the addition from, from that standpoint too. And then another thing that would be interesting just in terms of, you know, what this, what this development for um, Nico Reed might look like, you know, I had a source telling me that it might be kind of like a, a little bit of a Makai Blackman situation, you know, another former Colorado defensive back who transferred to USC last year and played some really good football and played his way into being a third round draft pick uh, this, this past NFL draft. So I think that, um, you know, Demetrius Martin has obviously done an awesome job developing corners from Colorado. And, and I think that there's a reason that uh, there's a reason that he wanted to go after Nico Reed, because the Ducks did miss out on Trey Amos, who who committed to Alabama, you know, the former Louisiana Lafayette corner. He was supposed to get out to Oregon for a visit, but uh, but the Tide were able to wrap that one up uh, before Oregon was kind of able to get involved here. So not that he was a second choice necessarily, but it's it's a it's an addition that makes a lot of sense. And again, the the competition's looking really really strong in there at corner. Well, and yeah, I I think it's interesting. Like he, he definitely was not the second. He definitely wasn't a second choice. Um, they kind of had to see that Amos wasn't coming because he never even came out for a visit. He visited Bama, um, did not visit um, Oregon. He was going to or did visit Michigan, but yeah, did not visit Oregon at all. Um, Reed was one that he quietly did visit Oregon. Yeah, um, it was wasn't weekend. anything. Yeah, didn't post it or anything, I don't believe. Um, but yeah, he visited very, very quietly, and then that was pretty much just like that. Uh, they got it done, um, wrapped up today, obviously. And now you look at the roster, uh, 85 scholarships. So there's still some guys, obviously, in the portal that, okay, maybe they're interesting. Um, I saw a comment earlier saying, would it be interesting to bring in a tight end? Um, well, they brought in a few tight ends. Uh, they brought in Casey Kelly um, from Ole Miss, which I think is going to be depth. Uh you saw them bring in Ludwig, who will be a preferred walk-on. Uh, he's a converted linebacker. He's got the body type. Um, so he's 6'5", but I don't know if he's – I mean, he's going to have to bulk up a little bit. And I don't know how his – obviously catching is. He was redshirted his first year, four years of eligibility. That'll be interesting to watch, um, see if maybe next year he's on scholarship or not. And then you obviously have still uh, the freshman Sadiq there. Um, you have Terrence Ferguson, who is currently hurt or – is he recovered yet? I'm not sure. Uh, not. I don't think he's recovered just yet. I mean, he, he there were pictures of him at the spring game, and he was still kind of uh, slinged up, uh, for lack of a better phrase. But we'll have to wait until uh, fall camp to see if, if he's uh, you know revamped and, and ready to go. Yeah, and then um, there's also, of course, 
Herbert there. Um, so tight end, you have, I mean, you have your three main guys you're really going to want to go to. And then Casey Kelly will probably see the field a little bit. I don't anticipate him seeing the field a lot unless, God forbid, some injuries happen. Um, but I just wanted to take a second to address that really quickly. Um, I don't know if you want to transition back to Nico Reed or not. Yeah, yeah, there's some more that we can get into there with, with Nico. And, you know, guys, I think we're getting some here. Uh, we're getting some questions in the chat. I'll try to go through and star these. Um, but we're going to probably have a mailbag portion towards the, the back end of the pod. So if you guys have questions or comments, go ahead and throw them in there. We'll do our best to to answer them. And then go ahead and like the video and subscribe to the channel. Really appreciate your support if you guys are tuning in, taking some time out of your day to talk some ducks with us. Um, I think another thing that we can talk about with Reed, you know, two years of eligibility left. Um, and I think that that kind of factors into Oregon's approach in the transfer portal. You're not just getting a bunch of one year stop gap kind of guys, you know, Oregon very obviously needed Christian Gonzalez last year, came in and played one year and uh, was a tremendous asset to the team in route to becoming a first round pick. And then now you get guys like Strouther and Reed here who have the potential to impact Oregon in more than just the 2026 three season. So I think the longevity and, and the big picture, I think Gary Bryant has three years of eligibility left um, once he gets to Oregon. So I think that that's an interesting wrinkle and an interesting factor to, to kind of consider here when you're looking at how Oregon is leveraging the portal, because it's, it's more than just, Hey, that guy's really good. And he's in the portal. You know, he can help us for one year. Let's go get him. It's like, no, that guy's really good. He fits us. We like him as a person, high character guy, and he can help us for more than just a single season. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know really what to add in terms of um, like Reed in general. I know that obviously I mentioned he's going to be a slot or star. Sorry, I was kind of reading the comments as well. Um, Happens to me too. I think that this is obviously I've said it's a good add. Um, and I'm really interested to see how also Demetrius Martin does in year two, where he doesn't have um, necessarily the top guy per se, the definitive top guy where he had Christian Gonzalez. Um, and also where the room kind of shakes up, where Reed ends, where a guy like, um, let's say Kyrie Jackson ends up another transfer um, or Taishim Johnson, or even we didn't even talk about the safeties yet. Um, we obviously have Evan Williams coming in, right? And that's a big one to talk about. That's obviously his brother Bennett was on the team last year. Um, and I don't know. It'll be, it's a very, very much revamped, uh, secondary, which is good because the team got torched against Washington. But, uh, it's just, it's something that also, in addition to on paper additions and all that, uh, the coaching, the adjustments have to be there. And it's also, um, it's just really, can Oregon, like, put it all on the field, I guess? And they got to beat their rivals this year. They can't let that happen again. I was seeing a post yesterday. Um, Oregon got swept in all major sports by Washington. That just can't happen. Um, and I know I'm obviously getting way off track in terms of talking about Nico Reed here. But it's just it's just really, really really important um, for Oregon to just put it together. And that's something that Cristobal couldn't do. So we'll have to figure out really if um, obviously Lanning can do that with his defensive uh, prowess and prestige. Yeah, no, that that's a great point we can, we can hit on just, you know, there was already a lot of pressure on Dan Lanning and, and Tosh Lapoy 
to figure it out this this defense in 2023 you know 2022's defense fell well short of the mark in, in a variety of statistical categories right you know third down uh conversion passing defense uh a couple of games uh you know the rushing defense was nowhere to be found you know washington and and specifically oregon state is the one that everyone wants to point to with that one but now i think there's even more pressure because of a lot of these pieces that you've added from the transfer portal because it's not like you're going to be looking at it like, oh, you know, we got a lot of highly touted recruits that came in, but they're still young and, you know, they, they just need a little bit more time. It's like, no, this is the era that we're living in. You bring in a lot of guys that have starting experience, that have played a lot of ball, that have produced at a high level. And I think that the margin for error shrinks when you do something like that. And that's kind of, you know, something that comes with with the transfer portal and and uh, just the that added element of, um, you know, accelerating being able to turn around a program. I mean, look, look no further than what USC did last year in one year. That just shows you how quickly you can turn a program around. You know, the defensive element wasn't all there for USC, and that's kind of what played into their downfall a little bit, right? Um, but but you make a great point, Colin. This secondary is really, really revamped, right? You added a pair of safeties with, with Evan Williams and Taishim Johnson from Ole Miss. And, and I think another thing we worth mentioning is that Taishim might not even just be a safety. You know, he could be a guy that is playing all over the secondary. You know, some nickel, I'm not sure how likely cornerback is, but at least the the reviews and the buzz coming out of spring football was that, hey, Taishim Johnson's a guy that can do a little bit of everything for you uh, in the secondary. So who even knows where he's actually going to line up? Um, you kind of remove Jamal Hill from the secondary and kick him down to linebacker. Uh, and then you still have Steve Stevens and, and Brian Addison there. So you're seeing a lot of uh, experience and and production. Maybe the production isn't completely there, but a lot of experience and a lot of talent in that secondary now. Yeah, and it's also, um, I kind of grimaced at one of those names you said. Um, no offense to him, of course, but it's just that some of these guys are going to be replaced and they have already been replaced um, because uh, for lack of, better use i mean maybe not as talented as others um and that's just that's part of it that's part of building your program um just adding on to what we mentioned earlier just you have to be recruiting and bringing in the top talent or else you can't expect to be a top team and i think that's where uh past oregon teams have failed um like a cristobal team didn't necessarily bring in all the best transfers they could have um, sure, he recruited like crazy, but he couldn't really develop a lot of them. Um, and that's just an issue that you look at in the past and you just hope that Dan Lanning doesn't also fall into. Um, and I think the staff is set up perfectly to not fall into that. But of course, um, obviously looking at it, I, I'm going to be a little bit biased and think that everything is going to work out, but we know that it won't at all times. Um, it's just going to be very, very, very interesting to watch. Yeah, and, and I think that you know now that now that Oregon has these two new additions, it's probably fair to say that they're wrapped up. Um, you know, in, in the transfer portal, you never know, like you mentioned earlier in the show. But I think that Oregon probably feels pretty darn confident about just addressing some of those needs, and then you know, at receiver, O line, and now corner. Hey, we we kind of doubled down a little bit and added another guy, you know, we added Gary Bryant, we added Nashad Strother and, and uh, Reed um, to really make like extra sure that you're feeling good about the the depths at the, at those spots. 
Um, is there anything, is there anything else about Reed that you want to add before we maybe open it up to some mailbag and, and kind of start winding it down a little bit, possibly Colin? Um, I just kind of want to reiterate that just because uh, Reed wasn't on a good overall team that went one and 11, that doesn't mean that he is a bad player by any means. Um, obviously in the past, we've seen bad Oregon teams have very, very good players on them. And it's just, I think it's something that Shoot, definitely. I might've, I might've lost you. Um, my mic disconnect. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. You can hear me. Okay. Let me maybe just, just improvise for a second. I'll try to hop back out and hop back in. Sorry about that. I'll, I'll be right back. Um, so what I was saying is that just like Nico Reed's not a bad player whatsoever. Um, I'm not 15. No, thanks for the comment though. Um, Nico Reed's not at all a bad player. This is a team that yeah, was bad. Colorado was awful. Uh, everybody acknowledges that. Uh, Dion comes in, and he doesn't make it. I don't know. He forces a bunch of players out. That's going to happen on a one eleven one and eleven team. But um, like we've heard, or it's been talked about that Oregon or not Oregon, Nico Reed is a guy that uh, they wanted to keep. That was a starter last season, and that's a guy that. Obviously, Dion would have been very, very happy to keep. Would have been probably the best or second best corner on that team, regardless of where you put Travis Hunter. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm able to hear you again. Thank God. Um, hopefully, my mic hangs in there with me. Um, but yeah, kind of, kind of just echoing what you were saying, Colin. You know, some of the people that I was talking to around the program were telling me the same thing. You know, this is a guy that that you know, Nico Reed is a guy that Colorado is kind of going to be maybe looking back on as you didn't want to let him get away. Um, seeing that he entered the portal just exactly a month ago, I think it was April 15th that he hit the portal. Um, so there's high expectations for him. And I think he's going to be a, a valuable piece to, to that Oregon secondary in that Oregon corner room. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Um, let's open up the mailbag a little bit. 
Colin. Uh, we have our first question from Andrew. Andrew's got a lot of questions in here. So if you guys want to match his energy, go ahead and throw a question in there. Uh, Andrew says, Max, who do you see returning kicks slash puns with GBJ, Gary Bryant Jr. coming in because that's pleasant specialty too, isn't it? Um, I think, yeah, as far as kicks go, I think Gary Bryant's going to be someone who definitely factors in there. Nico Reed obviously has uh, some experience there. Troy Franklin is someone that's worth a mention. Chris Hudson has some experience doing it for Oregon. Um, Troy Franklin got, got a little bit of reps as well. Um, I want to say Bucky and Noah might have had a little bit of uh, time on their return units, but there's no shortage of options here, and I think that those are some of the names to keep an eye on. Yeah, I would I would tend to agree with you there. Um, I would assume that it would be Bryant Jr. and Nico Reed. Um, I'm not entirely sure of that being Pleasant specialty, Ortez. just because I don't I don't watch quite a bit. I mean, I don't I haven't watched um, his special teams like highlights. Um, so I don't know. Max could probably speak to that more than I can. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. yeah. So, I mean, another guy worth mentioning probably is Tez Johnson. I don't know how much experience he has in the return game, but just when you look at his skill set and how explosive and, and quick and fast he is, the top, the top gear that that guy has, he's someone that might be in the conversation. And then Roderick Pleasant, that was part of the pitch with Roderick Pleasant is that he might even get involved on offense as well and in special teams. Um, so Oregon just has a lot of different ways that they can kind of attack you. And I think finding ways to get Roderick Pleasant the ball, maybe special teams is, is the way that you go about doing that um, next year. So uh, those are kind of some of the guys to maybe keep an eye on when it comes to the return game and uh, who we could see contributing for, for the ducks. Um, Trello had a, a question here. Uh, do you expect Nico to take Manning's minutes? Uh, Dante Manning, of course, the highest rated corner the Ducks have ever signed, but they're still kind of waiting for him to pan out. What do you think about this one, Colin? It's an interesting one. Um, I guess you could kind of say that Manning, in a sense, is like um, the Ty Thompson of the cornerback room, in a sense. You're waiting on him still to develop. Um, I don't know because they're not quite the same spot at corner, right? But it is still another body that's in the way of him seeing the field. Um, so if he can prove himself, then I'm saying Manning, of course, if he can prove himself, then I don't think this really affects him at all. Um, but even if he stays kind of where he currently is, or maybe it gets a little bit better, um, then I don't think this will, st I still don't think it will really affect him too much. Um, I, I could, I think that Nico Reed is still going to see a significant amount of time. So I really doubt that it, um, affects Manning too much. He's going to be a rotational guy. He's not going to be a starter. Um, we pretty much already know that at this point, but Max, you're, you're talking about Manning being a, a full-time starter. You don't see no, no, that? No, 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 no. I'm saying, well, I, I don't see Manning being a full-time starter. Yes. Um, it, unless God forbid of injuries. I just think there's too many bodies there right now. You look at Bridges, you've got Kyrie Jackson, you've got a guy like Tysheem Johnson who could move down um, to corner if needed at slot. Um, and you've got plenty more plenty more bodies there as well. Um, and then Nico Reed's just another one as well. So I don't personally, but obviously there's differing opinions. Sure. Okay, yeah. And maybe I wouldn't say that I see Nico taking you know Dante's snaps. But at the very least, you know, you can kind of compare these guys on paper. You know, they're both 5'10", 
185, 190 pounds. Um, but it's just going to come and maybe it could just come down to, you know, who has the better fall camp um, between the two. And, and I think there's reason to think that Dante is going to, you know, be a mainstay in the corner room just because he's been at Oregon longer and you know he's been coached by coach me, I guess the same amount of time one season, but he just has more comfort, I think overall in, in that defense. And um, I, I need to look at a little bit more of Nico, but I feel like Dante is probably a, a little bit higher level of an athlete, but I think those are two guys in that cornerback room that we're definitely going to have our eyes on as a uh, fall camp kind of uh, circles around. All right, let's see if we have any any more here. Um, another one from Andrew. I'm curious how the Iowa transfer will play because Iowa's defense is always stout. Talking, of course, here about Justin Jacobs, the Iowa linebacker transfer who arrives at Oregon, and he kind of already has the billing as the guy, right? Because Oregon's inside linebacker room, Colin, not exactly gushing with depth. I mean, Jeffrey Boss has played two full seasons at inside linebacker now. He's had some highs and lows. Jamal Hill's put on some weight, and he looked good in the spring game, but we don't have a whole lot to go off of from his standpoint, from a film standpoint, uh, at linebacker. So I think Justin Jacobs is coming off of an injury. Um, you know, He's already drumming up some hype as a, a top NFL draft prospect for Oregon next year, along with the likes of Brandon Dorless and, and Jordan Birch. Um so I, I think there's reason to be confident that that Justin's going to play some pretty good football for Oregon next year. And, and I think that the spring game was a step in the right direction, you know, just back at 100 percent and flying around the football field. Yeah, I would definitely agree. Um, there was first round hype on Justin Jacobs before he got hurt last season, um, before he had that surgery. Um, if he gets back to that level. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be huge. It, it really just depends how he rebounds from that injury. Um, and if he does rebound well, then yeah, I think that, or I mean, Oregon lands a steal here, I guess, essentially um, with Justin Jacobs, because he's a guy that could project as a first round pick um, at linebacker, which is becoming increasingly rare, but I think he has all the tools and it'll just be very, very interesting to watch how he can um, get back from that injury. Cause it was a season ending injury too. So it wasn't anything that, was just a minor nagging injury or something like that. It was just uh, straight up season ending. Yeah, I think I think kind of what um what I saw from like doing some research on that injury. I think he got banged up, missed a couple games in twenty two, and then tried to come back and like re aggravated it or made it worse. And then he was required to have surgery that that you know brought an end to his twenty twenty two season. And he was playing alongside guys like Jack Campbell in that Hawkeyes defense, and he was kind of the guy. Uh, on that defense uh, from, from what I can recall. And I think that when we talk about Justin Jacobs, he's going to be kind of one of those um, not trial run guys, but I just feel like he's a guy that Oregon fans and, you know, coaches and, and recruits are going to have an eye on in 2022 because it's kind of, you know, one of those big name guys that probably fits the Dan Lanning toss the point defense to a T uh, and then, you know, you have one of those on each level, I think, of the defense, right? He's the guy at, at linebacker. He And then Jordan Birch is the guy that everyone's going to be watching along the edge rusher, along the D-line. And then you also have guys like Tysheem Johnson. You're going to have to see how Chris Hampton does in his first year coaching the safeties. And, and then, you know, Kyrie Jackson and, and Nico Reed at the corner spot. Yeah, and uh, really quickly, I just want to address um, 
there's a comment saying, so is Oregon and Washington allowed to join the Big Ten if they want to? Um, and then the following comment says, yeah, but the invite isn't coming, uh, to which he responds, why not? Uh, so the Big Ten, from what I've been seeing, what I've been hearing, um, doesn't want to be a conference killer, uh, which they already did, so I don't get that really. But um, I don't quite understand that. I think they, obviously, from a revenue standpoint, this would be big for them to bring uh, like Oregon and Washington in, just because Oregon is a big brand. But I don't think they will bring uh, Oregon and Washington in, at least yet. Now, this could completely happen. I mean, this could happen in, I mean, this could even happen like a week from now and I'll be biting my words, right? But it's just, I don't know that the Big Ten is going to do it this quick. Doing like, And like I said, they want to not, or they don't want to rather be a conference killer. Yeah, so I, I don't know. It's a, it's a messy situation and I, I really, I find it very hard to get excited or interested about it because it's been going on for so long. Um, but I also feel like, you know, Notre Dame holds kind of a, a piece of the puzzle here because they have a lot of leverage if they want to go to the Big Ten. I don't know if the Big Ten has given up on Notre Dame, but Notre Dame all, has all the leverage in the world as an independent. And, you know, I, I brought on by, Brian, uh, Brian Driscoll of Irish Breakdown, you know, when USC and UCLA first left to kind of talk about Notre Dame's, you know, place in, in all of this. And I think that, you know, Washington and Oregon are viewed as the the top schools that the Big Ten would probably want to add. It would make things a lot easier from a scheduling standpoint with, with USC and UCLA on the West Coast, because that's one of the things the Big Ten wanted to do by adding those two schools is stretch across uh, all the major time zones. And I think that um, I think that Oregon and Washington would would help them do just that. All right. Which which one do you want to transition into next? Um, I don't have too many more and I think I might need to get going here in just a little bit. Um, I mean, let's see, we could do this one too from David. Uh, I do think Bo Nix could win the Heisman this year, but Oregon will have to have a hell of a year. What do you think? We can toss it over to you to start this one. Uh, so I want to go ahead and preface this by saying that the person who commented this has been trolling the entire time, but let's go ahead and ignore that. Um, Sure, he has. I do think yes that Bonex has all the tools, all the talent around him. Um, but it's also not going to just be like, does he have the tools and the talent, and, or even the production? It's going to be also the team. If the team is good enough, if the team, let's say, is in the college football playoff, which I don't want to ever get my hopes up with this team because they always let me down in the end. But whatever. Um, I don't know that he can even win it without Oregon being at least very, very close to the college football playoff. Um, if they're fifth, maybe there's a chance, but I think they would probably have to be on the, uh, either on the cusp or in um, for him to win it, as well as having all these stats. I think these additions that have come through to the transfer portal, um, even a freshman like Jurion Dickey um, or Kenyon Sadiq, and we talked about, like I just mentioned, even the transfer portal, and even the guy we're talking about today, uh, Strowler on the O-line. Stuff like that, that helps you win games. That helps you uh, win individual snaps, which obviously in turn helps you win the games. So it'll be interesting. Um, I, I don't know really what, I don't know. I, I think I, I think that he probably will be close to it. I think he could be a finalist. Um, I don't want to get my hopes up. I don't want to jinx him. I don't want 
uh, anything, any of that to happen. I do have slight concerns, hoping that he could maybe hold up his production, but I won't really get into that right now. Yeah, sure. We can we can talk about that on another show, but we can kind of start winding down and wrapping here. I think I think with Bo Nix and the Heisman conversation, you know, he was he was in the Heisman conversation for a little bit last year, but you know, like you were talking about with the need to kind of be on the cusp of a playoff appearance, the wheels kind of started to fall off after they lost to to Washington, which uh, coincidentally was the game when he got hurt, um, which obviously threw a, a, a wrench into the plans, but. There's a lot of pressure on Bo Nix to, you know, follow up that season from last year. And if he wants to ultimately be in the Heisman conversation again, he's going to kind of have to capture lightning in a bottle again, like he did with Kenny Dillingham, which was, you know, like the perfect reunion. Um, but I think that Will Stein could be the coach that helps him do that. Um, I think he's, you know, one of the most experienced passers, one of the most experienced quarterbacks in all of college football. Uh, he's matured a lot just as a player in terms of knowing when to take shots, when he can maybe be a little bit more of a risk taker um, and versus giving what the taking what the defense gives him. So the, the O-line is, should be stout up front. The Oregon probably has the best running backs in the Pac-12. Um, and then you also have a lot of really talented weapons that he can throw the ball to. Maybe a little bit of a question mark or a TBD at tight end right now. But the wide receivers, you don't have any questions there. And and I think that, uh you know, there's, there's no reason that he shouldn't be able to have that caliber of a season whether that happens or not that's different so yeah i think that's that's kind of what we have to say on the the bo nicks front but as we start to wind down colin anything else you want to add about uh nico reed or nishad strouther nothing really i think we hit all of it all right yeah we did hit all of it and i think i'm going to be posting this as a two-part podcast um so we'll have to see um what's next for Oregon, but that's how you guys can expect this one to come out. Um, if you guys want to find Colin, you can follow him on Twitter at, is it in, you actually go, go ahead and just, yeah. just uh, pl- plug uh, yourself. I don't know. I don't know about all of yeah. it. Uh, it's at insider ducks on Twitter and uh, at ducks insider on Instagram. So you can find me. I'm trying to build a little bit more of a Twitter presence. So uh, follow be greatly appreciated. All right. Yeah. So go make sure you tap in with Colin. If you guys want to find more of me, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at M sports, and you can follow me on YouTube at Oregon football, Max Taurus. Uh, do me a favor, like the video, subscribe to the channel and share the ducks dish podcast with your friends, with your family and with other duck fans. I don't think there's any other podcast out there that covers Oregon recruiting like we do. And uh, I'm, I'm super excited to just continue, uh, you know, hitting the recruiting trail getting out to see some of these top players and uh, yeah, fun episode for the ducks. Things keep, uh, keep rolling on the recruiting trail and in the transfer portal. But until next time, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the ducks dish podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. There's Granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts. So you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.